you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13. We'll be looking in verses 24 to 30 and verses 36 to 43. You know, these are interesting days that we're living in. Have you noticed? I mean, it's like Revelation. We had like the locust thing going on, you know? And then we had golf ball-sized hail at my house. And uh, today we had flying ants all over the sanctuary. I mean, 95 degrees on Friday. Crazy. Let me say happy Father's Day to you um, as well. All you dads out there, I want to tell you to keep up the good work. Uh, And if you're not doing that good work, figure it out. Because these people that call you dad, you have a big impact on on them. You know, on uh, Tuesday night at our parables study group, uh, which means at 6.30, which has open seats. Um, there's a guy there named Denny Collier, and he is on the plus side of 80, so he's been a dad a long time. And he shared in our, in our group about how one of his adult children called him and asked him a question about something that was going on in his life. And, and he got really animated, and he said, it just made me feel like, you know, Filled him up. And one of his kids would call and still want his wisdom about life. So I was thinking, hey, if you uh, need a last-minute Father's Day gift, you know, call your dad, meet with your dad, and ask him a question about something going on in your life. Because it's going to fill him up. And it'll make his Father Day, Father's Day special. It also made me realize there'll be a day uh, when when we won't be able to do that because our dads won't be here anymore. Or maybe we can't do that right now because uh, they're not available. And if that's you today, we've prayed for you. And uh, I just wanted to thank Denny for sharing that in our group. He usually joins us online on Sunday morning. Um, so, Denny, that stuck with me. And, Dad, got some questions for you. <laughs> We've got another kingdom parable today from from Jesus, and it's uh, time to sit at his feet and listen uh, to what he has to say. He's painting us a picture of what life is like under his rule and reign. Uh, So let's start with verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, 
Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word today, this story of the kingdom. We ask you, Lord, that you might help us to, to see the picture and understand how it relates to us who are living in your kingdom today. Pray you'd help us receive it and it would bear fruit in our lives because we've got a lot of places that we go that this is happening. And so we just pray that you'd use us to be part of what you're doing in this mission. Pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a few weeks ago, we, we set out some plants in a couple of raised beds we got at home. Here's a picture of our garden um, that we've got. So there they are. Um, now, uh, we, we don't have a big garden, as you can see. It's way more work than Lori and I want to put in, and it also brings back some childhood memories that we'd rather forget. Um, but we got these boxes out there that, uh, you know, produce some fruit. You know, we want some fruit from the gardening season. And so it's kind of surprising how much fruit that you can get out of just a little, little two little boxes, you know. And we got a tomato plants there, you know, going on the left. And on the right, there's a couple of pepper plants, jalapenos going, and a zucchini and a cucumber. Uh, they made it through the hail, which is surprising. But... Uh, over Memorial Day weekend, I put up a trellis, which is what that stick is in the middle of the two boxes there. I just strung some fence over it, and I'm just a little bit excited to see if that cucumber and zucchini can figure out, you know, how to climb it up. And I'm even way more excited about, you know, the kind of fruit that we're going to get out of it. But in the meantime, uh, between uh, planting, you know, and, and then getting some fruit, we've got the war with the weeds you know about that, I'm sure, the war with the weeds. That's the big challenge, right, when it comes to gardening. I mean, if we didn't have the war with the weeds, we would have a big garden in, in the backyard. Um, I promise you, in heaven, there will not be any weeds. None. Don't have to deal with that. So if we do that, if we win the war with weeds, we water a little bit, feed a little bit, then we're going to get some fruit out of, out of our garden. And I wanted to show you what the possibilities are. Here's another picture. I mean, you know... I, I did not grow that, okay, I did not, I did not grow that, but uh, somebody did. I mean, that's a state fair looking tomato, isn't it? I mean, there's a couple of jars of sauce in one tomato right there. In a, I mean, I just think, how do you even put that on a hamburger? I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, Jesus' parable of the kingdom, it, it's given us a, a really high flyover view of what's, what's going on, what activity is happening uh, in his in his kingdom, and so there's different seasons that that come up um, in different times in those seasons, and so this is a very practical parable, and it's also very easy because it's so high, and and he's communicating like one thing. It, it's very easy to kind of kind of drop down into this parable and get lost in the weeds, and so I'm going to try not to to get us there uh, today. Um, we'll just try to stay up high and and look at the the whole picture of what he's trying to say. So here we go. If, uh, in uh, verses 24 to 30, that's where Jesus tells this 
kingdom parable, and he likens it to farming season. All right, so as soon as his listeners would have heard that a man went and sowed good seed in a field, 90% of them would have been tracking right there with him because that's what they did. This is an agricultural society. He's meeting them right where they are. So a man goes out and he sows good seed in his fields. But when they go to bed, an enemy comes along and he sows bad seed and then he disappears. And then everything starts to grow. And the wheat and the weeds, they start coming up together and then they form heads. And it's then that the servants are able to tell you know, that there's more than wheat in their fields. And so they run to tell the master about it. Didn't you sow good seed in your field? How then do we have these weeds? So the master knows immediately he's been attacked by an enemy. And the servants want to know if they should go fight. They want, to, they want to fight the war with the weeds. And so they are told to stop. No, don't do that. We need to protect the wheat. Let them grow together. And then when the reapers come, then I'll send them to reap everything and separate uh, the wheat from the weeds. And you will put the, the weeds in the burn pile and you'll put the wheat in the barn. So that is farming season. Three times in farming season. Sowing time, growing time, and reaping time. Three times to look at. The sowing time is the time you put in the seed. The time you plant the plants. It's a happy time. It's an exciting time. Lots of anticipation about the fruit. Lots of optimism. The only trouble you've got during sowing time is what you can't see. You plant plants, you plant seed, but later on you see that you've got weeds. Where do the weeds come from? You know, I planted pumpkin seeds, or I planted cucumber, or I planted zucchini, or whatever plant you planted, but I got thistle in there now. I got a dandelion. I got milkweed. Who planted those? A question that will not be answered until we get to heaven. But the master knows that he's been sabotaged. An enemy has come. Now, this is a scenario that could happen in their world, and I'm sure actually did happen, so they wouldn't have been unfamiliar with what he was talking about. There is a particular weed that closely resembles wheat. It's called bearded darnel. Here's a picture of it. Bearded darnel on the left there, and wheat... On the right, two of them side by side. So before these two plants, you know, put a, get ahead on them, they're virtually identical. So during this growing season. And it's when they develop fruit that you know something's wrong. So if you've ever seen a, a field of wheat, you know, that's, that's grown up and it's got heads, it just looks like a carpet of wheat, right? I mean, it looks like there's no separation. Everything's growing closely together. So to put... Bearded darnel seed in with all the wheat. Then you see what kind of problem that, that presents. And so there's no way to uproot that weed and protect the wheat. Um, so they got to grow together until the time of reaping. And so, you know, what would happen in their day is a neighbor gets ticked off at you and he sees you sowing your, sowing your good seed in your field, get your wheat going, and at night he comes, those little bearded darnel in there, and he's got you. And you don't even know it for weeks. 
You don't even know that he's done that. And the master, he knew what to do. He's like, you can't go to war with the weeds. You have to let them grow together until reaping time. And then when reaping time comes in, you can separate everything. Now, how do they they do that? Well, they would harvest the field. They would harvest it all together. They would take it to what they call the threshing floor, and they'd throw it up in the air and let the wind separate the, the wheat and the weeds from the chaff. So the plant gets blown away, but the seed would fall down all together, bearded darnel seed, wheat seed, all together. And then they'd get the reapers all around this big pile, and they'd start separating it because the bearded darnel fruit looked different than the wheat. It was a different color. So it's a huge undertaking. And it was an important task because bearded darnel seed is, uh, is a little poisonous. And so you, you could get dizzy, you could get sick, you know, you, you could have some trouble. Everything would taste bitter. So, so it's a big deal to get that out of there. So the farming season, sowing time, growing time, and reaping time. And if you've ever planted a garden, I think you can relate to what's going on. So a little bit later in the chapter, verse 36, and Jesus explains the parable of the kingdom and how it, re- of how it relates to the kingdom. So farming season is a picture of the gospel season. So verses 36 to 43. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels... And they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus moves inside into a house and he has this private conversation Uh, with his disciples, and they ask him, hey, what does that parable mean? You know, the parable of the weeds. And so in verses 37 to 39, Jesus covers the whole gospel season, from the sowing time to the reaping time. Now, he doesn't say anything about the growing time, but we know it's in there, because if you're going to sow and then reap, you know something grew in between there. So Jesus is the man who is sowing good seed into the field. And the field is the world, And the good seed is believers. And so he calls them the sons of the kingdom. Weeds are the sons of the evil one, the devil, uh, Jesus' enemy. So the devil is the one who strategically is placing his children in the field alongside believers. The harvest is the end of the age when the angel reapers will come and do their job. So let's just focus right now on the sowing time of the gospel season. So it's, it's not too hard to figure out what the sowing time is and what that looks like. It's, it's Jesus sowing gospel seed into the hearts of people. 
And we, and we know it well, especially if it's happened to us. So Jesus sent somebody into our world with good news for us to hear. Good news. And that person, they heard the call, and they went, and they found us, and they spoke these words of good news into our ears, words about God, our Creator, who loves us, words about our rebellion, our sins against Him, words about Jesus, the Son, the Son of God, who loved us so much He came and died for us to forgive us of our sins, and that saves us forever to God, forever with God. And then they not only told us about that, then somehow they gave us an opportunity to say yes to that to believe in Jesus. And so do you remember that in your own life? Do you remember when you heard the gospel and you believed? Do you remember that? Do you remember who it was that came and spoke those good news words to you and gave you that chance to say yes? Maybe it was your parents. Maybe... It was at VBS. Maybe you grew up around church and it was a whole lot of people. Do you remember? Do you remember when it became yours? You know, the gospel became personal to you. It wasn't just information. It became a transformation in your life. Do you remember that? Because that is how you became a son or a daughter of the kingdom. That's the sowing time. Now, if we look at the other side of the coin and the devil and what he's doing, he's also sowing during the sowing time, but it's a different kind of sowing. Okay, so people, us, everybody, is, is born with a sinful nature. And no, nobody has to tell us how to be selfish or how to be self-centered. It's, it's just built in. You know, it's just it's just in there. And, and you can see it from an early age. I mean, Lori is working at a daycare, and she comes home every day with stories about the sinful nature. You know, from kids that are as young as three years old, all day long, they're getting, they're getting the message, hey, uh, take turns. Hey, be nice to each other. Hey, follow directions. Why do they tell them that all day long? Because all day long, they're doing the opposite. Because it's natural. I mean, it just happens. It just comes out. The Bible says in Psalm 51, verse 5, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So one of the things that we need to understand from Jesus' story is there's only two kinds of people that have ever existed in the world. And that exists today. Only two kinds of people. There's wheat people and there's weed people. There's wheat and there are weed. You are born a weed and you are born again 
to be a wheat. We go from being a child of the devil to a child of God. There are no other options. It is black and white. Wheat or weed. In all of history, every single person that ever lived was either a wheat or a weed. Now, once you're a wheat, the devil can't do anything about that. Now, he's powerless to do anything about that. He can't make you back into a weed. But he can try to mess with you and try to keep you from growing. He can make it hard for you to grow. He he wants to make you less fruitful. He doesn't want you to reproduce. That's all about, all that's about the sowing time. Now, let's go to the growing time in the gospel season. It's not mentioned here in these verses, but we know it's there. We know it's there. The wheat and the weeds, they grow together in the world and in the church. Okay, so realize that the people around you, the people in here, the people at work, the people in the neighborhood, at school, on your team, the person selling you groceries or clothes or whatever it is, whoever you interact with, guaranteed in that group of people, there are wheat people and there are weed people. And both of those, both of those exist. Now, one of the big mistakes that we make as wheat people is trying to grow in God, as, as wheat people trying to grow in the field of God, that we try to go to war with the weeds. I mean, it's kind of natural, right? It's what, it's what we, we, we want to do. I mean, that's exactly what those servants wanted to do. They wanted to go to war with the weeds. But what we have to remember is weeds can be changed into wheat. See? So our fight is not with them. It is with the one who sowed them. That's who we're supposed to fight. And the devil wants to keep us from growing. He wants to keep us from bearing gospel fruit in our lives during this season. So what he will do, he will do all of these things. He, will, he can and he will tempt you to sin. He will do that. He will plant weeds in your life, in and around your life, because bad company corrupts good character. That's what the Bible says. He will, he will stir fear in you to keep you quiet and to keep you in hiding as a believer. Because a fearful believer will not be a faithful believer. He will speak shame in your ear when you have fallen to keep you there and keep you frozen. You know, I've heard this term. My my world's pretty small, so I don't hear terms a lot, but I heard this term several times called the imposter syndrome. You know, and... Kind of like in business circles, you write your resume, you know, and you're putting all these things on there that you can do and your skills, and you get done writing it, you take a step back and go, I can't put that in front of people. That's not me. I'd be, I'd be an imposter. So that, that happens in, in the business world. Maybe you're sitting in front of a customer, and he says, hey, can you do this? And you go, maybe, because you don't know if you can. You don't want to call you see, imposter syndrome. Well, that happens all the time in the Christian world. Except it's the devil who is the one telling us we're imposters because we're still sinning when we've become a wheat. It's a real thing. And that's where our fight is. The devil will try to use weeds 
in our life to pick a fight with us. To try to get you to go to war with them. Happens all the time. You know, I, I totally understand fighting for our rights and fighting for our country, fighting for our freedoms. But I want you to know, if you're a believer, you are not here to save your country. You are here to be used by the sower in the lives of the weeds so that they can be transformed into wheat and know the Savior and live with Him forever. That is why we are here. And if you're fighting with the weeds, it's really hard to share Jesus with them. It's really hard to do that. And it's the most important thing that we can do for them because according to Jesus' story, the weeds are headed to the burn pile when the reaping time comes. And besides, if enough weeds get saved and turn into wheat in the Garden of the USA, you save your country too. So if the devil can get you fighting weeds, you're off mission. And you're not fighting him. Now, the rest of the verses, Jesus is describing what happens during the reaping time. It's so sobering. And as believers, people who are, you know, headed for the barn, we might overlook this because it doesn't apply to us. But there's a really good reason for us to look at it and to look at it hard. The field gets harvested by the angel. If you're, a, if you're a wheat, you're going to the master's barn. If you're a weed, you're going to the master's burn pile. And that's just like, you know, that's just like when the weeds are gathered in the farming season, they're, they're burned. That's, that's what happens. So Jesus says that's what's going to happen to unbelievers during the gospel season. When that comes to an end, when the sowing and the growing are over, Jesus is going to come. He's going to send his angels into the kingdom because the kingdom has come onto the world. And they are going to gather all the causes of sin, all the people he calls lawbreakers. Those are people who are trusting in their good works, their abilities, their strengths to keep the law to make them right with God. They are going to get gathered. And they're going to be thrown into what he calls a fiery furnace. Which is a place of agony. A place of pain and tears, weeping and gnashing of teeth. In 2 Thessalonians Verses 8 and 9, it says, He, Jesus, will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. This is what happens to people who are weeds in the world when the reaping time comes. And there won't be an end to this. For them. And it, and it will be the right and just punishment for them. For the sins they committed against the holy God. They won't argue with, the, with it, but they'll hate it. Every second of it. But listen, as long as they are alive, as, as long as it's still not the reaping time, there is a chance for them to believe in Jesus. You know, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. He's Lord. This, this parable makes it clear. He is over this whole thing. But we are not. So everyone that's a weed in our lives has a chance. 
And it's our job, our responsibility to share this, this good news, to, to sow this gospel seed into their lives, and maybe God will take it and he'll sow it by the power of the Holy Spirit into their hearts, and they'll be changed. So the last part of this is, is the last part of verse 43. Um, it's the so what of the parable. And Jesus tagged the parable with, with those familiar words, he who has an ear, let him hear. And so what, those are words, remember this, those are words that he spoke to his disciples. He was in the house. He was in private. He's not talking to the weeds. He's talking to believers. And so that tells us that this gospel season that we're in is a believing season for believers. See, if we call ourselves that, if we call ourselves a disciple, it means we've been transformed from being a weed uh, to a wheat. And that happened to us because we believed in Jesus. And when it happened, that was day one of our believing. But it wasn't the last day of our believing. We believe it every day. It's a believing season. It keeps on, on going. The sowing time has, been, has happened in our lives. The gospel seed has been planted in our lives. And now it's growing time. What are we supposed to grow in? We're supposed to grow in our faith. God wants us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're called. We're called to add to our faith. So it's going to be stronger. And it needs to be stronger if we're going to take part in the sowing time in the lives of weeds. So question, how strong is your belief in the gospel? The power of the gospel. How strong is it today? Now, a lot of it depends on your own story of how you went from being a weed to a wheat. You know, and how, how you became a believer. If you don't have a spiritual birthday on the calendar, okay, you, you can't look back to a date, and that's okay. But if you don't have that, and you've never shared this gospel with someone else and seen God change them from a weed to a weed, chances are your believing in the gospel is kind of weak. It's kind of weak. This is the First Corinthians 6. 9 to 11. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or, a male pro- or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are, or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 11, some of you were once like that. That's a power verse. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Yeah. There's power in those verses. There's power. You once did these things. You once were these things. But now you're not that anymore because you believed. What did you do? It says you called on the name of the Lord Jesus, asking for forgiveness in his name. So that's when things are made right with you and your heavenly father. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, that blood, is, that precious blood that was shed to forgive us of our sins, make this right. That's what happened. And then he conquered death. You know, That is so huge. We have to realize how huge that is. 
That death is conquered. I mean, I'm not talking about future kind of stuff. And, and it certainly is. If you're a believer, your grave's going to be empty too. But death gets conquered today in your life. Sin, the wages of sin is death. And Jesus redeems all of that. As we follow him. It's amazing. It's so, it's so good. I lost where I'm at. So the Spirit of God is the one who woke you up to that truth. And he, he is the one who gave you faith to believe in the gospel. Now I know back then you said yes to Jesus, but I promise you, God did it. He is the one who changed you from being a weed to a wheat. He changed your destination from the burn pile to the barn. He did it all. And you believe that for yourself. Is your faith strong enough to believe it for someone else? Do you believe today is the day of salvation? That God still does it. He still changes weeds into wheat. You know, the way you grow as a believer is he gives you a whole bunch. You know, we receive it through all these spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible, coming to worship, being in community, serving, giving, all of these things, sacrificing for him. It's all coming in, but then it, got, it has to go out. It has to go out from us. The Dead Sea is dead because there's no outlet. And if you've hit the ceiling, if you feel like you're not growing in the Lord, find somebody to share this good gospel with. And everything's going to come alive. It's amazing. So who are the weeds in your life? Who are they? Now that can be a difficult question to answer, especially in our country. I mean, if we were in India... You can go find the weeds at the Hindu temple. They, they don't even know Jesus' name. So very easy. I mean, if you go out to lunch with Pastor Maquan, and he's sharing Jesus with everybody, you know, he runs into. And the reason is over there, nobody's heard of him. <laughs> so, so that's how he, he got into that habit of doing that. But here, churches are everywhere. You know, and, and so it's harder to know who the weeds are. And we meet people all the time. And I tell you, I, when I was, I was thinking about this, people that I meet, I was thinking, have I ever really met a mean person? You know, somebody who I just say, they're a weed. They're a son of the devil. They're all at daycare. I mean, we see neighbors, right? They're helping neighbors. People coming into church. People admire doing good things for other people. See them all the time. We have lived in a country that has been in a long stretch of what we call cultural Christianity. So where most of the people in our country, believer or not, 
agree with and follow the religious practices of Christianity. That's, that's cultural Christianity. But there is some really good news. Cultural Christianity is on the decline. And the, the first time, for the first time in 80 years of the Gallup poll asking people about church membership, less than half the people say they're a member of a church. And that's good news. Why is that good news? Because it makes weeds easier to spot. I mean, not, not every Christian you know, goes to church, but most do. And so if you ask a person where they go to church and, and they don't give you an answer, then chances are you have found someone who needs to know Jesus. And that's when you start praying and you start asking God for opportunity. You start loving them and, and you start believing that the gospel needs to be heard in their life. Uh, the reverse is also true. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a believer. The weeds are sown in the church. Make no mistake. There's a Christian song guy who's dead. So his name's Keith Green. And I, I never heard of him. And a good friend of mine told me I should start listening to his stuff. It was like 70s, you know, music. And uh, it was different. <laughs> but yeah, it was a live concert. And he said in his one of his concerts, he, he said, going to a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And that just stuck with me. I mean, I just thought of that coming up. I thought I'd share that because maybe it'll stick with you. You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You might look like a Christian. But that's, that's where we can grab some things out of this, out of this parable. That, that bearded darnel weed that looks like wheat while it's growing until it bears fruit, that's when you can tell it's a weed. And so when we're thinking about our lives, when we're thinking about people that we're going to church with, who are nice people, good people, loving people, and, you know, look at the fruit of their life. Is it colored spiritual? You know, do they love God and love Jesus and love people who love him? You know, do they have this life-giving stream coming from their life, or is it life-sucking? Are there Galatians 5 spiritual fruit? Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, you cannot look at one day of their life and go, oh, they're a weed. And I know that's, that like goes against everything we've been taught, right? Don't be judging people. You can't tell anybody's, anybody's heart. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you to look at the fruit of their life. Look at the pattern of their life. Look at the past. Is there a train wreck of relationships? Maybe, just maybe, it's because they have not been transformed. And I'm telling you, the merciful thing that we can do in church is assume somebody is a weed. Because if they're not, we'll forgive you. But if they are, they're headed to the burn pile. It's merciful to say, you know something? What I read in here, 
I'm having trouble seeing that in your life. What is it? Now, it might be something else. It might be pain. It might be trauma. It might be some other sin. Something happened to them. You know, and they are a believer and all that stuff. It's complicated. This part is not black and white. It is not going to go very well for you if you go up to somebody in church and challenge their profession of faith. This isn't going to. And so that's really not how we go about it. What we do is we come up alongside of them and we show them what a true and living faith looks like. What it looks like walked out. We grow side by side with them and allow the Holy Spirit to open uh, their eyes to their need with life with God. That's how you love them to faith. They know the gospel. They just don't know Jesus. And it takes a work of the Spirit for them to be able to see that. Now, all of this is theory. It's all theory, and it really won't help us in believing in the believing season. So what we got to do is we got to put it into practice. You know, we just got to go out there and make our mistakes and trust God's grace to help us, to show us, to lead us, to give us words, to give us actions that show people what Jesus is like. So, you know, it could happen like this. I have a story to tell you. A college-age Christian named Angie wrote about her encounter with an international student just before Christmas in 2006. She says, I had a divine appointment, a divine appointment on a flight from Chicago to Lincoln, sitting next to a 19-year-old Saudi Arabian named Ali, who was headed to Lincoln to start university there. As soon as I heard, he had, been in, he had never been in the U.S., and he was from the Middle East. I felt Jesus tugging at my heart to talk to him. So after a little chit-chat about his feelings about being far from home and, and asking him what he knew about American culture and life in Nebraska, I told him I was a follower of Jesus. I asked about his spiritual background, and he told he, he, and told him that he'd probably meet a number of people in Nebraska that were Christians, and it might be good that he would understand where they were coming from. And so I pulled out my Four Spiritual Laws booklet, and I started to read through each point with him, helping him understand where these Christians are coming from. We talked a little bit more, and then I pulled my book out. But he went back to reading the booklet, and I got so excited. I could hardly concentrate on the book I was reading. I started praying for him. I had just read that morning in the Word that God is the one who opens the eyes of the, of the need for, in people's lives for him. After he had finished reading, I asked him what he thought. He said, well, that's very interesting. And when we landed, I told him that I would pray for him. And then I felt the Spirit say, pray for him right now. And that was scary. What would this Muslim think? I asked if I could pray for him right there. And he said, yes. So before we got off the plane, I prayed for him. We went down to baggage claim together. I met his, his cousin. I invited them to an American cultural event that was happening near where they lived, uh, Christmas Eve service at our church. We'll see. She says, this is why I love being a Christian. It is heart-pounding, scary at times, and exhilarating when you see someone who Jesus wants to come to him. And it's then I have the choice to step out in faith or stay safe in security. What did Jesus say? Anything is possible for him who believes. He is still changing people from weeds into wheat. Hey, Saturday. Pray for Saturday. VBS. 19 kids come and pray. We have 50. Um, you know, because we're going to have all day long 
I mean, we didn't wait to tell them what it was about. It's on the sign, Jesus saves. <laughs> and so they get, they're going to get that all day long. Pray that God will work in their hearts to be able to understand who he is and why they need him in their lives. And pray we'll have the courage to invite them to believe. Because God is changing people. This is the believing season in the gospel season. And the reaping time is coming. It might be coming very soon according to the things we're experiencing. (laughs) He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's have our worship team back up. So before we sing, I thought we'd spend a little time in prayer, uh, just to lift up some of the weeds in our life. And so I just, uh, I just want you to think of one weed. I know you might have more. One person in your life who needs, who needs Jesus, who needs to believe in the gospel. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to pray for them. Just one person. Heavenly Father, we come to you today here in this parable that Jesus used to tell us about life in your kingdom. And we see a lot of things in this, Lord, and you know, there's a there's a gratefulness, a gratitude that comes up as we hear about the barn and the burn pile. But Lord, there's there's somebody, there's somebody that still needs to know you, that we know we love. And we want to lift them up to you right now. Lift them up. Lord, we thank you for loving this person. You love them more than we ever could. You want them more than we want them to know you. Open their eyes. Open their ears. Bring a faithful sower of good news into their life. Let the words be spoken. The good news words. Let them be heard. Received. Planted. Transforming their lives into wheat. To one of your children rescued from darkness into light, from death into life. Lord, give us faith. Increase our believing. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God 
transform people, to save people. To you, we make ourselves available, Lord, to be workers in your harvest field. We know time is short. us to step out, to be loving and bold, to trust your grace and your gospel, to do the work that you want us to do. We lift up VBS to you today, Lord. Thank you for the 19 kids that have decided to come, the parents decided to send them. Lord, we, we give you the day. We pray that Jesus is lifted up all day long. The kids' hearts are open that they might receive him and believe and that they might even be first fruits in their family. Give us opportunity, Father. Go before us. We know you're already in Saturday. You're already working. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace that is abundant in our lives today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.